I just got back from a week in Louisiana in Lake Charles, visiting my, my son and his family. And, and uh, my son is, is part of a, an international humanitarian aid group that, uh, that serves in, in rescue, recovery, and relief to the nations. And uh, they're on their way to Israel, except Israel, you know, got attacked. And so now they're all on hold right now. But that's something you can pray about, that the, the, the Lord will open up their visas so they can all go, if that's what God's waiting for. But uh, they have, my, my son is a, a trainer, and he trains young men and women between the ages of 18 and 25. Right now he has four new recruits. All four of them are young women, which was interesting to have no, none of the guys in the group. It kind of feels like church a lot of times. All the ladies show up and the guys just kind of wait and see what's happening. No amens. Okay, guys. I don't know. <laughs> so I went there. They invited me to come, into, which was amazing. I'll be honest with you. It's amazing that they invited me to come because I'm just Shane's dad when I'm there, you know, but they invited me to come and said, we want you to teach the, the recruits, okay? We want you to teach them. We want you to teach two hours a day for five days, and we want you to teach for 40 minutes in the morning, the two hours in the afternoon, and we want you to teach. And I said, well, what, what do you want me to teach? And they said, whatever you want to teach. And I said, okay, who am I, who am I teaching? Well, you teach the recruits and the staff. Okay, who, 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 who are they? You know, I, I know in here, I know in this house, I can come and I can say anything that the Spirit leads. Because even if you don't agree with me, you'll agree with what God's saying. Amen. Right? You'll lean into the Spirit, you'll listen, you'll go, I don't know, that guy might be a little nuts, but... I, <laughs> I feel the Holy Spirit and I can agree with it, right? I can agree with what you do. But when you go someplace else and you have no idea who you're speaking to, where they're from, because they're not all from Jubilee. <laughs> I don't know if you realize not every church is the same as this church. I don't know if you know that your believers who live in your neighborhood believe some of the things you believe, but they don't necessarily haven't yet experienced some of the things that you've experienced. Right? Right? And that's okay. That's okay. See, I believe church is like a restaurant. You go there because you're getting fed. Right? And the reason that you're here is because you like what's being served. Right? And you want more of it. Right? So I'm going there and I have no idea who these, who these young ladies I'm going to be teaching are. I have no idea where they're from. So the first thing I asked them is I said, well, who are you? You know, tell me about yourself. So I had two girls, twins, who were um, who are from a Messianic congregation. Yeah, I got some oohs. Ooh, ooh. All of my friends of Israel's ears just perked up when I said Messianic. Right? I had one from, uh, from West Virginia who's from a uh, non-denominational charismatic church. I said, okay, I can go there. I can go there. I can find agreement with that one. And then the last one was from a Foursquare church. And I said, well, I, I, I can work with Foursquare. I understand you guys. Messianics, I'm not fully, I don't, I don't grasp all of you, but I get it. I know, who you, I know who your Messiah is, so I know we can start there. Okay. So uh, here I, we go in there and we start talking and, and I'm like, God, I, I don't know what you want me to teach these young ladies, right? So again, I did my due diligence the week before I left and I wrote down some notes, put them on paper and that. And then when I got there, I started praying for them. You know, I, I, met the, I met the recruits and then so I started praying and asking God, what do, what do you want to say? Right? Because, it, again, I don't know if you guys understand it. It really doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. Right? If, 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 if you, if you want to talk to me and hear me say something eloquent and great and nice, it's probably going to have to do with tools or fixing something 
or if it's with my grandson, it probably has to do with Legos. You know? I, uh, that's just... So, so I started praying and asking God, and so he, he just kind of started walking me through this process of some scripture. So I started off sharing with them, and I'm just going to share a little bit with you as kind of a way of introduction to where I think we're going today, okay? Colossians 3. So the first couple of days in, I was talking to them about Colossians 3 and about setting your mind on things above where Christ is, right? Because... I asked them the question, and I, I, I asked everybody in the morning, in, my, in the morning devotional time, and then I asked the recruits in the afternoon. I said, where is Jesus right now? It's not up there. Where is Jesus right now? In heaven, right? He's in us. Anything else? Seated at the right hand of the Father, that's, a, that's because you've been in Jubilee for more than a minute. Then you, if you've been in Jubilee for, if this is not your first Sunday, right? And if, by the way, if this is your first Sunday, welcome. I'm Brian Rogers. I'm the executive pastor. Pastor Steve is on vacation today. He's with his family in San Diego, taking care of grandkids. But if, this, if you've been here more than a Sunday, you know that we've already been told a hundred thousand times that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God forever making intercession as our great high priest Melchizedek, right? This is not new news. This is not new news. This is not coming across the ticker on the bottom of your TV. This is not new, okay? This is something we all carry. But there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of believers out there that when you ask them, where is Jesus? They'll, there's some that'll tell you, well, he's on the, I, I, when, when did all that happen? Happened on the cross. And yes, the cross is important. But the cross was not the completion, even though he said it is finished, right? He was raised, Right? Even, our, even our Sunday school will tell you he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And then he was, after he was seen for a bunch of days by a bunch of people and made sure everybody knew that it was him, right? Then he, is, he ascended into heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of God forever, forever doing one thing. He's making intercession for each and every one of us. Right? So I'm trying to convey to these young ladies that there is someone who, is, who is, is right now, no matter what circumstance, situation, what problem, what great day you're having, is right now is forever making intercession for you. He's holding his place next to Father, right next to the throne of grace, right next to all of majesty, in all of his glory, and he's got one thing in mind, and that's you. Right? He's holding his word, right? Every word that's ever been spoken. Make John 1, 1. Who's the logos? Who's the word? Jesus. So he's carrying all the word, every single word, every bit of logos in this book from page one to the last page, from in the beginning to amen. He carries all of it because he is all of it and he's forever making intercession. He's forever reminding Father of, the, of every single word. Then I had a nice talk with them because I, I, you could just see them trying to comprehend all this. And I said, but let's be sure we understand who Father is, right? And I'll tell you guys because I know you know it, but Father is not a senile old God who doesn't remember anything and needs Jesus to remind him of the word, right? He's not old. He's not an old gray-haired man with a long beard, and he's not tottering along with a cane or his walker trying to, because, and he can't hear, so he needs Jesus to remind him of what he's saying, right? That is not who our father is, right? Our father is so confident in everything that Jesus did that he was able to, before the beginning of time, Right Before he ever started thinking about creation, him and his son had a conversation with the Spirit. 
and said, let's do this. And Jesus said, I'll take, I'll take the spot of the Savior, right? I'm going to lay down my place as Melchizedek, as the high priest in the temple of God. I'm going to lay down that spot. I'm going to lay it down to become the sperm, right? And you could see these girls when I started talking about that. They were just like, wow, their eyes got like big, like... I said, before, before God ever created anything, they had a conversation. They made a choice. They had to come up with the plan because they knew that what was going to happen, right? He was the, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So before time ever existed, before God ever encapsulated time at the beginning, they already knew what the plan was going to be because they knew of how things would react because they were giving free will to man, Right? Yes, good. We got it. That's what they looked like. They were like. <laughs> so we talked about God. This, there is this father who loves so much that he's willing to take a portion of a part of all of who he is and say, I'm going to place it inside of, inside of, the, inside of a, this, this human being and he is going to become the way back even though I made a way, he needs another way. He needs a way to bring us back in. So we talked about Colossians. I said, so set your mind. You've got to learn to set your mind on things above. Why? Because if you set your mind on things of the earth, that's as far as you get to go. Right? Yep. You can't get any higher than earth if that's where your mind's set at. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says that this, this, this momentary affliction, so whatever thing you're going through today, whatever momentary affliction it is, this light affliction, Paul said, it's momentary, but it's only in the midst of you because you're, you're setting your eyes on the things of the earth which are seen, and you're not keeping them on the unseen, right? So I know for me, I've been having to practice, 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 every day, all the time. I have to practice getting my mind off of the things of the earth and setting them on the things of heaven. I have to hold them there because the minute I don't, then I enter into confusion, Right? I have the peace of God that passes all understanding guards my heart and my mind inside of Christ Jesus. So if I, if, I, if I start thinking too long on the things of the earth, if I start worrying about the economy, I start worrying about the president, I start concerning myself with the New England Patriots or whatever, right? If I get too focused on any one thing for any, any long, I know, Cleo, laugh all you want. Oh, how the great have fallen. Right? If I spend too much time thinking about any one of them, then I lose my peace. And I have totally lost my peace concerning the patriots. That's a... Right? But so, here's this place. You've got to set your mind on things above, not on the earthly things. So, I'm telling them that, right? And we're having these conversations, and I'm saying, you know, Galatians says that, that uh, Galatians uh, 20... Uh, 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live it in the flesh, okay? I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So I'm trying to explain to them is that you live in the flesh, okay? But you've got to set your mind, right? Your affections, on the things above, where Christ is, okay? So then we were talking one of the afternoons I had mentioned about John on the island of Patmos. And it says in Revelation 1.10, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. And you know what it says next. It says, I turned to see the voice. Right? And I was just mentioning that to them about trying to think of, trying to use imagery to help your mind 
right, understand spiritual things, right? So we were having this conversation, and, the, and one of the girls asked me, she says, she says, Pastor Brian? I said, yeah. She says, how do you walk in the Spirit and get in the presence of God? And there's one of my Messianic twins, okay? It wasn't the charismatic or the full square. It was the Messianic twin asked me, how do you walk in the Spirit be in the presence of God so you can be like John, so you can hear a trumpet and then turn to see the voice. And that was like, and I was like the kid in the, in the candy store. It was like, oh, you just opened up a door. Because I was talking with them about doors. Every word God ever speaks to you, every word you ever highlighted in your Bible because God spoke to you, that's a door. And you can come back to it and you can, you can meditate. You can hold a place, right? Joshua says, Meditate on this books on the books of the law right day and night. You can mutter them, you can keep them before him, and you can say them, and then you can enter into those places again. It's not any revelation. You guys understand that, right? That any revelation you ever get from God is a door that you can come back to and go through again. And it can get bigger, it can become a double door, it can become wider, it can become expanse. Right? Why? Because God's not bound by time. Remember, he's, he's at the beginning and the end of it. He holds it all. Holds it all like I would hold a, a baseball in my hand. It doesn't, God doesn't, time's not an issue for him. So you can go back into something that you've already been to. So I'm, I'm trying to talk to them about, the, about, this, about this God who's just so, so much got all this, everything under control. I says, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what CNN. It doesn't matter what the, the ticker at the bottom of the thing says. That's just earthly stuff. Okay? That's earthly stuff. If you, if you, if you, if you, the only time I concern myself about earthly stuff is when I'm praying for the earthly stuff. Okay? Because it... Oh, something's happening. Stirring up in the other room. <laughs> right? So, I, I, I try not to concern it. They're not concerned about it, I guess. So. so, we're talking about walking in the Spirit. And they're asking about walking in the Spirit. And I'm saying, you guys just opened a door. As I said, I looked at them and said, is that what you want to know? Is that, what, is that what you want? And they said, yeah, that's what we want to know. It happened to be 5 o'clock. So I said, I said, okay, well, it's dinner time. We'll, have to, we'll start back here tomorrow. We'll start back here tomorrow. I said, but let me leave you with one last little thing so that you can prepare yourself, right? And I said, because this is an example. I'm going to say something. This is an example how, to, how, to, how you can... D- d- let me ask you guys a question then. Can you be at two places at the same time? No. You can't be in two places at the same time. Is that what we believe? Anybody? Can't be at two places at the same time. Okay. You're all afraid to answer. <laughs> Just like they were. Thank you. You can be in two places at the same time. Yes. Thank you, D. Here's why. Let me, let me just ask you a question. So I, I looked over around my room, and I looked at my, 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 my girl from West Virginia, and I asked her, and I said, what's your favorite restaurant in your hometown? She said, oh, it's a little diner called Diana's. And I said, Diana's. I said, what's your favorite thing at Diana's? She said, she's from the South, West Virginia. She said, biscuits and gravy. I said, are they the best biscuits? I didn't even get to finish. She said, they were the best biscuits and gravy she's ever had, even better than her mom's. Which I said, boy, don't let your mom know that. (laughs) Right? And so I said, okay, I want to ask you. And I told her, I said, close your eyes. Are you you willing to go someplace today? She said, yeah. I said, you want to know what it's like to walk in the spirit? She says, yeah. I says, close your eyes. I says, right now, remember what Dinah's front door looks like. I said, she could go there. I says, I says go ahead. What's around it? She said, any, any cars parked near Dinah's right now? And she said, 
Oh, there's a there's an old beat up old yellow pickup truck sitting in the spot there. It's been there forever. It's just rotten and decayed. I said, no way. There's an old pickup truck sitting outside the diner in West in West Virginia. She said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, walk past that. Go ahead in the door. I says, what do you see? She starts explaining what the place looks like. I says, what do you smell? I, says, I smell homemade biscuits. Right? You understand where I'm going? Yeah. You all know that, right? So you can, in your, in your mind, with your imagination, you can go someplace you've already been, right? And you can enter it back in to that. So I said, so I ended and said, okay, bring, bring her back and that and talk to them all. And I said, okay, so tomorrow we'll do that in the spirit. Because that wasn't in the spirit. That was in your imagination. That's your memory. But you can be two places at one time. I can be in the flesh. I can be in this room, right? I can be right here, but I can be someplace else. Ask any kid in elementary school. Right? I can sit in the classroom. I can say I'm here. You can start talking about division or timetables or equations or something or history, and I can be long and far away. Right? So you can be two places at one time, right? So the next day they came back and again, they were just like, it was like catching fish in a bucket. It was so easy because anything I said, they were just like, they were like pulling on me. Like faith, they were just, faith was just, I want more of, of this. So we talked about walking in the spirit, Right? Galatians says that if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, right? So let's, let's, help, let's help all your Christian minds because all of you don't believe that you ever walk in the flesh, right? You only walk in the spirit, so you're never going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Take all those terrible words that are in the, the fruit of the walking in the flesh and just put in them and make it simple. Make it the easiest part. When I walk in the spirit... I'll not fulfill the things that I want. Okay? Because that's what it is. The backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. Right? So when I want my when I want to do what I want to do, I'm backsliding. That's a hard word, I know. But it's true. It's God's word. When I focus myself on the things that benefit me and not benefit someone else or benefit God, then I'm, then I'm starting down a process of backsliding because I'm filled with my own ways. Right? Never get a lot of amens when you start talking about backsliding. Right? So those, those fruits that are in Galatians that are the negative fruit the bad things, fornication, adultery, idolatry, right? Those are because you're filled with your own ways. You've followed after your own lusts, what scripture says, right? But that's not what I'm talking about because when you walk in the spirit, right, that means you've laid down your life, right? Again, this isn't new for all of you, right? It's all, this is all review, it's new for them. They were like, what? My mind's blown. But you're not because you get this every Sunday. You know, I should have seen them when I introduced the word soul to them. Suke. First of all, I had to teach them how to spell it, but, right? They knew Hebrew, but they didn't know anything about Greek. So I'm telling them about the soul, and I'm saying, no, you've got to lay down your life. Revelation says that if we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we do not love our life, that word life is suke, it's, it's your soul, it's who you are. You don't love that. And I'll admit, you know what? I'm learning to not love my life. I still do. I try to, you know what? I protect myself but I'm learning to not love my own life, right? Just like you. Why? Because to walk in the spirit, I can't walk after my own thoughts, my own ways, my own things. 
But I have to be able to, you have to be able to get outside of it and go, no, you know, this is probably not going to benefit me. Do you realize, I remember telling him, I said, do you realize that Jesus never did anything to benefit Jesus? He never did. What does he say? He says, I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear the father say. Right? So that means Jesus never stepped out of the place and disobeyed father with his words or his actions. So when, when his best friend is lying, dying, and his sister... Mary and Martha sent, I had to say that because you all know that I got to get Martha in here somewhere. Because <laughs> you all know that I'm from Boston and that's, we, you ask Ken, he'll tell you, he pronounces it wrong too, right? But they had to, they sent their servant to go tell Jesus and Jesus was his friend, probably his closest non-disciple follower who walked with him all the time was the, was, would have been Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? So, so Jesus, being a man, had to put down his own desire to go deal with his son, his friend, because he knew he had to inquire of God because he had to ask God, what are we going to do? And God said, stay here three days. Three days? Jesus probably said, well, in three days, he'll be really dead, Right? I mean, he was a man. Jesus was a man, so he thought like you and I did. He just had to override his thoughts by what God was saying. He had to come under, right? That word obedience is he, Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered means he had to come under the word of God. He had to come put, him, put himself under it, which meant there were times he probably wanted to not put himself under. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, but he didn't. Anybody ever feel that way? Okay, the rest of you are liars. You don't feel. But if you walk in the spirit, you'll not do that. So it's okay. And it's getting, you're not practicing it, so you're okay. I feel that way sometimes. You know, it's hard to walk in the spirit. I told him, I said, you know, it's really hard to walk in the spirit. If it were easy, everybody would do it. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes me laying down my life every single time and all the time for me to walk in, the, to stay walking in the spirit. Why? Because someone's going to come along in their flesh and require of me more than my soul wants. And I'm going to have to make a choice. And it's probably not gonna, and I guarantee you it's not going to benefit me. If it's going to benefit me, I'd be glad to do it. Right? I'm just as good as any sinner or tax collector. I love those who love me. Right? It's getting quiet out there. Now, again, I'm not telling you all this. I'm telling them, these girls. Right? And they're all like, what? So, walking in spirit. So I'm telling them about it. And then all of a sudden, it comes to the end of the day. And I said, so tomorrow, we're actually going to practice it. We're actually going to practice walking in the spirit. Right? And I said, but tonight, when you go back, because 5 o'clock's dinner time, you got to be there. They only serve till 5.30. If you're late, it's too bad. So I have to get them out of there because they got to eat. They start their day at 4 a.m., with their own personal devotion, and by 4.30, they're in the gym. Two hours in the gym, and then it's off to, to breakfast. Then from breakfast, it's to morning, it's to group devotion, and then from there, it's chores. Okay? Oh, it's PT, then chores. They get two hours of PT. Shane likes to run them, soften them up a little bit, get their soul out in the open, because that's what running does for me. Trust me, I'll become a really negative, grumbling and, grumbling and complaining person if I had to run for two hours. 
which is obviously I don't run for two hours. <laughs> don't laugh. That's not funny. So they spend their day. And then after that, they go to, they have, they, uh, that's lunch. And then, then it's more, more training and to, on that. And then they get me at the end of the day for two hours. Okay. So I told him, I said, I know you got to go, but today, set, when you go back, after you're, done with your, after you're done with everything else and after you're here, because after dinner they have footlocker time, which is another teaching and devotional time, and then they got to do their chores and get their laundry done and all that. And they're, so they end their day by 7.30 or 8, and then they start the morning at 4 o'clock again. So I said, somewhere in this time when you have time, set your mind, ask the Lord what it means to set your mind on things above. What would he tell you, right? Because the first thing about being in the spirit and walking in the spirit and being in his presence is you have to listen for what he's saying, right? Today, if I hear your voice, don't harden your heart as in the day of rebellion, Hebrews 3, right? If I harden my heart, if I, get, if I don't listen to God, then I will harden my heart. It's not I might, I will. The, the abundant fact is that God never stops talking to you. The question is, are you listening? Right? When you listen, you hear. When you hear his voice, then you have to make a corresponding action by faith. Right? That's James. Which, by the way, all graduating Seahawks after their boot camp memorize the entire book of James from beginning to end. So every time, and at any point in the day, they can be walking along doing something and Shane could come up to them and say, James chapter one, and boom, they got to go. They got to recite the entire book of James to him at any moment. Anybody want to sign up? <laughs> I can't get the alphabet, not the whole book of James. Right? So I asked these, these young ladies, I said, Such, tonight, when you're quiet, when you have some time, ask God what it would mean, what would he talk to you about if you set your mind on him tonight before you go to bed? Next day comes, God's already talking to me. He tells me about Revelation chapter 1, where it gives the description of Jesus, the glorified Christ, right? You all know what that looks like, right? If you close your eyes, probably can remember it, right? His face is like fire. His hair is white as white as white as snow, right? He's not senile white. This is glory white. This is brighter than any sun, brighter than any light. His, his, he's got a tunic that covers his body to his feet. He's got a gold band that crosses his chest. It's not a little thin band like we would think. It's probably giant and strong. It shows his authority and his power, right? His feet are like burnished brass that's just come out of the fire. And you can't look at him too long because he's so bright and so glorious and so strength and his power that's light. And so I'm explaining this to the girls. I'm reading it out of Revelation chapter 1. And the, one of my messianic twins stops me and says, Pastor. I said, yeah. She said, when I asked him last night about what, what he would tell me or what he would show me if I asked him about what it was like to set my mind on things above, you know what he said? I said, no. He said, he read this scripture. He led me to Revelation 1 where I saw the picture, the image of him, and I started listening. I started reading it and listening it into my mind. And that, and I says, I says, Sarah, you know what that is? She said, what? I says, that's walking in the spirit. See, we, we all have the benefit that we're here every Sunday, but I don't think sometimes for me, I know there's a lot of times I don't engage what I'm actually hearing with what the day needs for that day, right? So she's just all of a sudden, she's just beside herself. I said, so I'm telling them, like, no, you're walking in the spirit. Why? Because you heard God spoke to you. God spoke to you and gave confirmation of what he said. And now you're doing it. So I said, now all you got to do is just keep practicing. 
practice, practice, practice. Right? And I said, practice is a good thing on that. It takes work. It takes effort. It's just like the kids with that thing. It's like, take that, that, that rope and I'm just pulling heaven down to me today. Right? So, you know, I was, I was supposed to talk about agreement with God today. <laughs> you know, in Exodus, is an interesting... Well, here's the thing. Hebrews 10, 19 through 26 says that we're to, we're to hold fast our confession of hope, right? To hold fast our confession of hope. What is our confession of hope? I believe what I told them, because I, I had to explain to them how, how they said, how do, how do you get in the spirit? How do you get into his presence? And I, use, I, I usually start, I don't want to say I start my day, but I do start my day there, but I start there multiple times a day because I'm always turning and returning. Does that make sense? Because my day is full, I don't know about you, I don't get the luxury of just stopping and starting. I don't get, I don't get the luxury of just going, oh, you're a pastor. You get to just spend your day in your office just praying in his presence and nothing else matters and everything conforms into beautiful harmony because you're there. I mean, I wish, but that doesn't usually happen that way. In the midst of my day is just like yours. Somebody comes and knocks at the door. Somebody needs something. There's a phone call. There's a text. There's an email. There's the fire marshal. There's, you know, every, everything you could imagine, just like your day. So I have to, when I'm in his presence and I'm considering who he is, then in the midst of it, that's, my mind has stayed on him and is in perfect peace because I've settled, it, settled that he's got it all under control. Father's waiting to bring all things under, under his feet, all the squirming things that are out of alignment that we see, that we don't understand. That He's just bringing, God's like, I got this. We're going to get them all right where they belong. Right under Jesus' feet. But until that point, I'm, I'm constantly having to bring my soul, my suke, me, my life, who I am. When it gets disrupted, when it goes into... T- when, when I settle myself and I'm there, everything's great. But inevitably, somehow, in the midst of it, things change and, I'm not, and I get pulled out of it. I get, I'm back in the flesh. I know that's scary that your pastor's in the flesh. You know, let me give one more example. I was going to talk about confession. That word confession means to say the same thing. So my confession of hope is that I say the same thing as the one I'm putting my hope in. Right? So what I was going to say real quick was I was going to say Moses, you know, in, in Exodus ends up with a problem. God looks at Moses and says, you know, they're stiff-necked people. They never get anything. So here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to kill them all, and I'm going to start over with you. Now, I told the girls, I said, if that would have been me, I probably would have said, okay, they are stiff-necked. I think that's probably a, probably a good plan. Let's see if version 2 is going to be better than version 1. Though we all know that version 2 would have been identical to version 1. Right? So... But that's not what Moses says. What does Moses do? And I'll paraphrase. He says, God, he goes, what about, what about the words you spoke to, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Let me say what you said back to you. Let me remind you of what you said back to, to you. I want to say what you say. I want my confession to be what you've already said and what your plan was and remind God. And so he does. He reminds God. And God says, you're right. He relents. Now, I honestly believe God was not going to kill them all off and make them after Moses. I believe he wanted Moses to believe that because he wanted to see Moses' heart. 
He wanted to see if Moses would come into agreement with the negative or if Moses would come into the agreement with what God said. Right? So for me, I often wonder, how many things am I coming into agreement with the world because I hear what the world's saying, whether it's by the news or whether it's by someone's story or whether it's by something I've heard? How many times am I coming into agreement with that negative that earthly, that carnal place when God's looking at me to come into agreement with him. When he wants my confession to be the same words that he's speaking. I'm talking about me, not you. I'm talking about me. Me, me, not we. It's me. Right? Because the same thing happens, right? You got, you got in Second Chronicles, I believe, chapter 6, God speaks out of Solomon, the prayer at the dedication of the temple, and he says, when there's pestilence, when there's blithe, when there's mildew and mold and all kinds of this bad stuff in your life, and you look to heaven and you turn from this temple and, you, and that, right? And he gives this big long list when there's earthquake and famine and all these things. Turn from this place, see me, pray to heaven, and I'll hear from you. Jehoshaphat, years later, in Exodus, I mean, 2 Chronicles 20, uses that same scripture to remind God of the problem that he's in. Right? So I started thinking to myself, wait, my confession shouldn't be what I think or shouldn't be my opinion of what the world's doing. It should be what is God saying about it. Right? I know, you say, yeah, that's right, pastor. Yeah, here's, here's the next part of it. Practice it for a while. Walk it out. You know, you can't walk it out on your, and I'm going to tell you, you know what? The great part is you don't get to walk it out on your own. I told the girls, I said, I said, you know what? Jesus looked at his disciples, his 12 closest people he knew on the planet, and he looked at them and he said, don't leave here until you get power, but I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate. I'm going to send you a, an, an advocate, that word is parakletos. I'm going to send someone who's going to stick to your side in the midst of you being you. Right? Because they weren't, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. Jesus said, I'm going to stick someone with you who you can ask Right? And he'll, uh, they'll remind you of every word. They'll teach you and remind you of the words that I've spoken to you. Right? So, when, when it's my practice now that when I hear stuff that's negative, when I hear stuff that's wrong, and that, to come into that place and come into that agreement that I go back and I ask Holy Spirit while I'm walking in the Spirit, while I'm in His presence, I say, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this? And if, I don't, and if I'm not there, then I just turn and return. I come back. I come out of myself. I lay myself down, right? I come back through the blood of his flesh. I bring my testimony and I lay my life down and say, Jesus, what do you want to do? What do you have to say with this? So I'll give you one closing example because it's time to end, but I, I need to tell you this one because this tells you, this, this is just was so vivid and so real, I could almost feel it. And you'll understand why I say that. We're having new flooring put in at our house. And so I had to move all this furniture and all this stuff. I have, we have a Murphy bed. Does everybody know what a Murphy bed is? For those of you who don't, it's a big cabinet that's mounted to the wall that you pull a handle and a bed comes out of it. We used to see them on like I Love Lucy and someone would get flung up inside of them and couldn't get out, right? Don't laugh. Um, so... Um, the, the guys are there, the installers are there to do the floor and they're doing demo and they're going to get all this done in one day and I'm like, I'm concerned. And he says, we got we to gotta take the, the Murphy bed down. And I said, okay. So he said, so I said, because they, they, they'll move it, but they won't uninstall it. So I have to uninstall the Murphy bed. So I'll, I'll give it, try, to, try to visualize this with me, get, out, get, get in the spirit with me. And so I fold the bed down and I step between the head of the bed and I have my leg on the bed and there's six bolts 
right? And I unscrew the first one, unscrew the second one, unscrew the third one, unscrew the fourth one. This is the drill doing the work, not me going, yes. Okay, I'm unscrewing it. I undo the fifth one. And right as I undo the fifth one, I've got my screw, I'm pull it, starting to undo the next one. I hear the voice of the Lord say, get help. Ask for help. Okay, that's what I heard. I heard it as clear as any of the words I spoke over the week before. Okay, ask for help. I'm not in the spirit. I'm in the flesh. So I think to myself, I got this. Right? And I take the, I start unscrewing the last screw. When that last little thread cleared the board, it was like a mousetrap. The giant wall cabinet immediately went and slapped down me like the little mouse that goes for the little piece of cheese on the trap. And that thing goes and snaps shut. And so I'm standing, and I'm like, man, Joe, I'm giving you a visual. I got one foot in the head of the bed. I got my other foot like this. And I'm, because I don't want to get the mattress dirty. I'm trying to be nice. Because, so I'm like, and all of a sudden that thing goes, so you can imagine if your leg's this way and this one's down there and your body gets flung over like that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, and now all of a sudden I'm realizing I can't lift the big heavy cabinet off of me to get out. I'm stuck like the mouse in the trap. So, now, now I'm, now there's always a little thing we like to say is you can humble yourself and ask for help or you can be humbled by the circumstance, Right? So now I'm stuck in the bed with the cabinet on top of me, right? I think the drill was still going, you know? And so I yell for the, 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 um, the installer. His name's Alex. He's in the next room in the kitchen. I'm like, Alex, Alex. And he goes, yes. I said, I felt like Alexander Bell, come here. <laughs> Come here. So he comes into the room. All he sees is it all flopped down. He can't see me because I'm in the cabinet in the bed, squished in like the mouse in the trap. And he's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm in here. I said, lift the cabinet. So he now then lifts the cabinet up to see me, you know, very graciously trying to squirm out from the mattress and the cabinet that are pinning me together, you know. And I, <laughs> it's so funny, Norco's not here. But I thought to myself, oh, he, I must just look so gracious as I was kind of, you know, kind of squeezing my way out like, the, like I was coming out of a sausage or something, you know. And I just kept thinking afterwards, I said, yeah, I, I was, that wasn't very gracious like Norico, our dancer, you know, it was not it, but I say all that to close to say, it's important when you hear his voice. You know, I know Jubilee. We all long to in practice walking in the spirit to hear his voice. But when he says stuff, it's, it's important to listen, right? I know that's a funny story, but you know what? Immediately afterwards, all I could think of was how many times I didn't listen or I heard and I didn't obey. I didn't hearken unto his voice. I didn't draw near to him, right? Today, if we hear his voice, don't harden your heart in the day of rebellion, right? I'm here to tell you that if you, if you don't, there's sometimes some consequences. Thankfully, other than a little bruising, I wasn't hurt. God was so gracious to protect and to care. I'm sure there was a big angel sitting between me and the cabinet that had to limp away just like I did to, from that. But Jubilee, we are a unique people who long to see 
long to see and to hear what God's doing. And I know each of you daily practice everything that I shared with those Seahawks and that and to speak the same words that he speaks and to pull on the Holy Spirit so that so that we become as it were not perfect but mature we are maturing every one of you is being is better today better at what it was than we were in the middle of the the parking lot and those things because God brought us in to be discipled and not to be discipled from us like we're something like oh listen to the pastors because they're great no we're being discipled by the word of God we're being brought under it's that word obedience it's to come under so I want to pray for you guys Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this house of Jubilee with these living members who are practicing to walk in the Spirit, to hear your voice today. And I thank you, Lord. And I, and Lord, it is my great joy to, to laugh at myself that, you know, that you would use that silly example as a reminder of when I hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Lord, I don't want to walk in rebellion to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to do what you say. I want to come under your word. I want to be flexible and pliable, not squished. Father, so I thank you for that. So I bless Jubilee today to hear your voice and to turn to the voice, to hear the trumpet, to see the trumpet today to see you, Jesus, that glorified man who's ever making intercession for us and holding us by his word. Father, let our words be your word. Not in some contract that, Lord, you have to do this because you said it, but in a relationship that says, God, I'm longing to see you do this because you're longing to do it. And I thank you for that today, Lord ask you to bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen.